Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Fleekazoid Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have so many topics that I want to talk about for today's podcast, specifically a word called limerence, which you may or may have not heard of. I did post about it on TikTok a little bit. I also wanted to talk about a new word that I heard called emotional dysregulation. I also wanted to talk about dating in desperation post-vaccination era. Uh, but maybe it's not even desperate per se. And also I'm using the word post-vaccination because let's be honest, it's not post-pandemic. We're not out of the woods. So just keeping it 100 there. Most importantly though, the whole reason why I am doing this podcast is to share my love after lockup story. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. Your girl dated a felon. It's official. I had my first love after lockup situation. I know a lot of my followers on Twitch were waiting for this moment. They were like, would that ever happen to you? And I was like, of course not. And it did. And let's talk about it because it's kind of hilarious, even though I feel like a lot of shame over it. But anyways, this isn't for like revenge or to like get back at anybody. I'm truly just sharing all of these experiences and um, talking about these topics because apparently a lot of you on TikTok found it very relatable. I personally find a lot of shame in them. But let's start off with limerence and emotional dysregulation and then we'll launch into the stories or I guess like the stories will find their way to like weasel in in between as like perfect examples. Starting off with limerence. All right, I can give you the Google definition and then I will relate it to me. So according to Google, limerence is a state of infatuation or obsession with another person that involves an all-consuming passion and intrusive thoughts. If you go a little further south and you click on the Wikipedia definition of limerence, um, it says that limerence is first and foremost a cognitive obsession. This may be caused by low serotonin levels in the brain, and it is comparable to those of people with obsessive compulsive disorder. If you click on the next drop down menu, it says, um, is limerence the same as infatuation? Limerence lasts longer than infatuation, but it tends to be more short lived than love. If you make it to the Google Images side and see how other people define limerence, there's one image that I'm looking at over here. It describes limerence as a completely life-altering state of mind. It's more than a crush. It's very intense feelings of affection towards somebody else. And when the feelings are unrequited, it can literally destroy one's life. Other Google images that define this word, haha. <laughs> it looks like Pinterest, but honestly, I think it's accurate. So I'm gonna share it uh, regardless. There's this one image that I really like that was shared on Reddit, and it describes limerence as being fueled by testosterone, dopamine, and adrenaline, and then it has love on the other side, and it describes love as being fueled by vasopressin, oxytocin, and similar calming chemicals. So with limerence, you would experience obsession, you would feel aggression, that hyperfixation, focus uh, when it comes to dopamine, just mainly being rewarded over feeling calm. Whereas love 
it's like you can stop your obsession. You can pause your focus. You don't feel yourself hyper fixated on an individual in a way that is derailing to your life or your day-to-day thoughts. And don't get it confused, you guys. Limerence doesn't only happen when you're in a committed relationship. This is something that can happen to you if you have a crush on somebody, maybe if you're in a situationship. Uh, It's most commonly known to happen to people who are in a situation where it is unrequited. By now, hopefully you have a good idea of what it means. So you're probably wondering, do people ever leave this state? Well, one of the ways that people leave it is if they have firm and clear rejection. And when they do, it is a literal 90 degree straight down Shikra roller coaster fall to the ground. And I've been there. I can tell you. It sucks. It absolutely hurts. If you've been there, I'm so sorry. For some people, this type of love or whatever they define as love that takes over their whole entire body, makes them feel high, makes them feel obsessive, gives them intrusive thoughts. It's like that's all that they know. That's all that they identify as love. But really, when you feel safe, when you can turn off your thoughts, when you can focus on other things, when you can get on with your life and focus on your hobbies and your well-being, and you're not just waiting around for messages and looking for signs and looking for cues in their face or their body language to see if they like you back, that's actually love. The point is that obsession and addiction is not the same as calming, soothing, safe love. If you are so obsessed with a person that you literally do not get out of bed until you get that one good morning message, girl, it's not love. Like, yeah, you should be able to think of that person and listen to a love song and get a little happy when they're on your mind, but you shouldn't be laying in a bed just imagining yourself with them all day long to the point where you don't do anything else throughout the day. I would obviously hope that if you are at that place where it's affecting your life to that point that you would hope that you would see that it's a negative thing that you should change or that it's negatively impacting you. So maybe you've heard all of this and you're wondering, okay, that's great, but now what do I do about it? Well, okay, if you are somebody who has a low dopamine issue, let's say maybe you are ADHD or you are somebody who is prone to OCD, which by the way, did you know that OCD is genetic? I talked about this in my YouTube channel. Now I'm not a doctor, but if you do have untreated ADHD, there are people on TikTok who have described being so obsessed and in love with a person and remembering every single thing that they do because that one particular person gave them dopamine and they said that the one thing that helped them out was getting their ADHD treated. So once again, haha, not a doctor, but something to look into. These people mentioned that the only time that they ever felt focused, driven, and passionate in their life was when they had that person in their world, and it was because of the large amounts of dopamine that they were getting from the interactions with them and their relationship with them. As far as the serotonin issue goes, I have found that like if I start out my morning really obsessed with a person and very anxious about my relationship with them and being in that limerent state of just watching their every move and just seeing, oh, do they like me as much as I like them, just hyperfixating on all of their responses and reaction times to me I would go work out for like an hour and then go take a walk and I felt so mentally sane and at peace and zen afterwards um there's this other aspect of putting in the physical activity as far as just going on a walk 30 minutes 30 minutes for four times a week that's a way to naturally boost your serotonin so make sure that you're doing stuff like this to control the way that your mind is interacting with this person on a chemical level. Outside of the chemical aspect within your brain, I do think that there's something to be said about having your own purpose in life and not making your purpose specifically within this relationship. 
Remember, you are so much more than your attachment to this person. Your attachment to a person does not define you. But Fleeksy, what is my purpose? Well, okay, do you like to make art? Do you like to talk to people? Do you like to give lectures? Do you like to create content? Are you passionate about medicine? Do you feel like you are a strong writer? Or maybe you just enjoy making tweets for a living? Think about what you really, really like, what you want to do, and how you want to build and develop that. Dr. K on the Gamer Health Mental channel says if you like doing something, no matter how bad you are at it, just do it because you only have one life to live. Life is so short. Do what you love because you love it. And eventually you will find your way into being good at it. And try to hone in on that potential within yourself every day. Try to see it so much stronger than anybody else can see it in you. The goal is to make sure that you're not getting your source of dopamine and your source of serotonin specifically only from this person because that's what's going to lead to that soul-crushing addiction when that relationship ends. You know, the type that burns in your heart like every day or makes you feel like life's not worth it because you literally got addicted to them like a drug. Yeah, let's go work on that, besties. I think that one of the worst things you can do to yourself and to the person that you're dating is make the relationship the entire meaning of your life. Honestly, honestly, it's kind of toxic. I think it leads to enmeshment. I think you will enter that relationship knowing who you are and then you will leave it not knowing what your identity is and then you'll find yourself starting from zero and building from the ground up, which can be a very traumatic experience. So it's really important whether you are somebody who's been single for months and months and maybe even abstinent, or if you just got out of a relationship and you're trying to define who you are again, you have to know what your purpose is in this life. And that doesn't even mean that it's something that necessarily gives back to society or something that feeds your family. It just has to be something that's true to you that makes you happy, whether or not you're even that good at it. It doesn't have to be something that you're revered for or something that you're known for being amazing at. It can just be something that you enjoy that brings you life. And a part of that is going to give you something to turn to when you find yourself being obsessed with a relationship. You'll actually notice that you're stepping away from your purpose and that you're drifting away from that idea of the things that are true to you once you find yourself becoming more enmeshed with an individual. For me, I've noticed that I felt like my purpose carried just a little bit less purpose in my world and that I even found myself wanting to just disband from it entirely when I ended up in a relationship where somebody wanted me to change what that purpose was or when they didn't see the value in it the way that I did. At the end of the day, it's very specific to you. I can't give your purpose to you. Only you can do that. I named a few things here, but there's obviously so much more that could be a part of what makes you happy or things that bring joy to you. So just make sure that whatever you're doing in this world, know that you are more than a relationship. You are more than an attachment. You are more than whoever you became enmeshed to. A relationship adds to your life. It is not the entirety of your life. The only exception is going to be with kids and animals and things that you give unconditional love to. Remember, men getting our unconditional love, that's an Oedipus complex. Unconditional love is exclusively reserved for children and animals. Otherwise, I think we said enough about this topic and it's going to come up throughout the story time. So let's move on to the next one. 
The other word that I wanted to talk about was emotional dysregulation. Now this came from a TikTok account. Her name is You Can Call Me C and with every space in between the words there's an underscore. I don't know if she wants to be mentioned on this podcast but hey girl what's up haha you're the source right now that we're crediting. If you're hearing this hi I'm really grateful for you because you totally put a word to my experience so thank you for sharing your therapy with us. Emotional dysregulation is basically being prone to limerence. Uh, You can get really invested in a relationship really early on to the point where you actively overlook red flags. You have to set extreme boundaries if you are somebody who is prone to emotional dysregulation, which, by the way, hi, hi, that's me, haha, something I discovered after returning from a life of sugaring and not dating men at all, like, in a serious way for, oh my god, like, almost two years but basically if you are somebody who experiences emotional dysregulation you have to be very clear about what red flags are and you have to take the pace extremely slow for the last month I was trying to find a way to describe this entire activity because I was trying to tell people how do you avoid being obsessed with a guy okay well you only do one date a week Another thing to do to prevent yourself from becoming obsessed with them is watch out with getting that texting dopamine hit from them. Texting them all day every day with no actual objective or plan being made or something to look forward to. Like if they're just literally just moseying around in your messages and keeping you warm, that's another red flag. Like the the whole point is that you don't want to get used to this person being in your life and getting invested in this person being an active presence in your life before they've established consistency, character, authenticity, and somebody who's actually compatible with you. Like, these are things that you need to discern before you actively make them somebody that you see more than once a week and someone that you constantly have on your mind all day via your phone. The whole point is to not get emotionally wrapped up and to let yourself get swooped away by the overactivity of seeing their face all the time or seeing their messages all the time and allowing yourself to objectively look at this man and his actions. And there's another thing to be said about the direction that a relationship goes in. Another TikTok account pointed this out that a relationship should move like an XY graph. Like it should start from the bottom left corner and go upward rather than starting at the upper left corner and then dropping down like a roller coaster. And that's in regards to attention, texting, uh, basically their obsession. The obsession should grow over time. It shouldn't just hit you in the face, which I know is so counterintuitive because when we're on dating apps or when, when, when we're meeting someone for the first time, it's like, oh, they need to get my attention. They need to show me they're interested. But sometimes a lot of that can be love bombing. And, and that can be somebody who's blinding us with affection to the point that it makes us question, um, okay, well... I really like what they're giving me. Is it really that big of a red flag that they do X or they do Y? The TikTok creator that I mentioned previously, she basically says that if you are somebody who's prone to emotional dysregulation, you can get very wrapped up by the fact that you want a relationship, you like the attention, you like the frequency, and honestly, saying that you like it is being very gentle with the situation. No, you get wrapped up. You want to dive into it. You want to make it your life. And you are so okay with being blinded to these red flags or even overlooking them. And you end up with somebody who could be a detriment to your life or even somebody who would detract from the quality of your life. 
Some people in You Can Call Me C's comment section were comparing it to BPD. I think that's a possibility, but I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor, and I'm definitely not trying to diagnose you guys or give out any false medical information. The whole point is to operate from a place of boundaries and also watch out if you're dating someone who is pushing those boundaries. They shouldn't be trying to rush you out of wanting to see them more than once a week. Specifically, has anybody ever gone on a date with a guy who was like, oh my god, I want to see you tomorrow? Like while you're on the date with them already or even after the date? I had two guys do this to me back to back and they were the biggest boundary pushers I have ever met. This is so unrelated to the felon story, but this one particular guy, you guys know him on TikTok as the Scorpio. I remember him saying like, I'm impatient. I just want what I want. I don't want to wait. So yeah, absolute boundary pusher. That's the type of thing that you want to be very objective about. So on top of only seeing them once a week, only texting when there is a plan to be texting about with maybe the occasional rarity of a few check-ins. No good morning text right off the bat. Besties, I'm so sorry if you met that man off an app and he's already texting you good morning. I have a problem with him. That's actually exactly what the felon did and we're gonna get into it. When it comes to social media, don't be going on it just to stare at pictures of his face just so that you can burn it into your memory. If you're stalking his social media, just be going through it so that you can see if his ex still comments on his photos. Or to check if he's using it as a thirst following account, you know, just following a whole bunch of women. It should not be a collection of all the Tinder girls and Bumble girls or Hinge women that he's ever met up with. Otherwise, no more stalking on the social medias outside of that. In fact, the best thing that you can do if you are someone who like is really prone to love bombing is don't even save his number in your phone. Like, I mean, when I say don't save his number, don't save it under his name. I was joking on TikTok, like save it under Ratatouille. Other girls were saying that they'll only save it as like one letter, like his first name and that like he has to earn the rest of his name. Someone else commented that they'll save their name under maybe which I thought was hilarious. Another way to keep yourself mentally and emotionally detached while you are still vetting out this dude is to have a rotation. Yup, date multiple men. Yeah, date a whole roster, have a rotation. I like to call it a brotation, but I think that's definitely the most sobering thing you can do in regards to making sure that you're not head over heels over one guy and that you can read his actions as clearly as you possibly can, especially when you have another man who could huh, potentially outdo him. <laughs> the goal here is let's not get ourselves emotionally attached, giving out girlfriend behavior, treating them like a boyfriend, seeing them as our husband. We need to reel it all the way back, okay? Like, I'm talking keep him on pause for two to three months, and even then, like, guys are so goal-oriented, they do not care how long they have to pretend for. What you are snuffing out is consistency, character, devotion, and trying to see if there's any cracks in it. And you want to be so emotionally detached that when you actually do see something, you can respond appropriately. It's not, oh, but I like him. Oh, but I think he's attractive. No buts, no ifs, no ands. Literally just acting on the most primal shark brain version of yourself that you possibly can and eliminating them or considering it as self-elimination when they do slip up or falter in a way that shows you that they're not genuinely about you and that they only want one thing from you. And bottom line, bestie, if this is a guy who is going to come in super duper obsessed and leave your life or stop acting obsessed if you won't give him the cookie or if you won't give him the girlfriend treatment, like undeservingly so, guess what? He was going to leave no matter what. Like he was going to leave your life the second that you did actually satisfy that urge or gave him that gratification. All right, let's remove the word 
obsessed, and let's replace it with being enthusiastically pursued. Or even just showing consistent engagement and active communication. And active communication doesn't mean that this is someone who's blowing you up 24-7. It means that maybe you guys make a plan for like three or four days in advance. You guys communicate actively throughout those three or four days what the plan is going to be. He doesn't just wait until the last day or the last of last minutes to decide what it's going to be and what time you guys are going to meet up at all frantically out of nowhere. Or when he does communicate with you, it's very clear and concise. He doesn't try to ask around or be indirect about it. And if he has an issue with you or if he has a problem, he will tell you directly. He doesn't just sit there and act all sad and pissy. Like giving you the silent treatment and making you go, babe, what's wrong? Why won't you talk to me? Talk to me. Which, by the way, a manipulative tactic that passive aggressive boys love to do. Which, by the way, if a man does that on the FDS podcast, they were saying that as soon as he starts acting like that, one of them will go, all right, well, you're not being fun anymore. Bye. Because these are manipulation tactics. If they can choose to be nice and sweet, engaging, communicative, and then suddenly they're displaying the exact opposite of those traits, shutting down, being quiet, uh, just removing all of those things from the relationship, just know it's a very deliberate act. Is it something that you did? Yeah, actually, you didn't give that man the cookie in the time span that he wanted it. Which, by the way, how dare you not give that man what he wants? After two weeks of acting obsessed with you, do you know how hard it is to act obsessed about somebody that you don't actually want to be with? The other faux pas that you made was not looking visibly and energetically excited by the idea of this man being your boyfriend when he said that he wanted a relationship and that he wants to get married and have kids with you one day. All within the time span of knowing you for <laughs> two to three weeks. Let's be honest here. If a guy is just so desperate to fill up a spot that he does not care who comes into it and he's just like, yeah, any girl will do, you need to watch out because that's probably a narcissist. I'm going to reference the FDS podcast again, but they also mention that when a man says, I've never met anyone like you, it's usually something that narcissists say. And when they say that I've never met anyone like you, they mean that they've met a woman that they finally actually can tolerate and find interesting and like. Because most of the time, they don't even actually, <laughs> this is wild, but they don't actually like women. When they say that everybody bores them and everybody makes them feel like, oh, they don't keep their interest or whatever, it's like not because they're more interesting than everybody else and that they have more going on than everybody that they meet. I'm going to say maybe they do sometimes. But um, yeah, it's because they just don't find women interesting in general. They're just not interested in them at all. So just keep in mind, the man that's emotionally rushing you, the man that's physically rushing you, the man who's introducing respect, communication, and enthusiastic pursuit, and then removing all of those things when he doesn't get what he wants, that's an emotionally immature man, and he's preying on the fact that you want a relationship so bad that you are going to tolerate all of those antics and all the manipulation tactics, which is why you need to be in your most objective, clear mind, assert boundaries, and yeah, be problematic with them, confront them, don't say yes. If they start being sad and crappy and giving you the silent treatment, literally do what the FDS podcast said and be like, mm, I'm not having fun anymore with you. You're being boring now. I have to go. Bye. Because they want you to sit there and suffer with them. Like that's the excitement for dudes like this is when you stick around and you continue to tolerate them. And let's say, okay, this guy's been enthusiastically pursuing you. He said he wanted to be your boyfriend, but he didn't actually take the act of asking you to be the boyfriend, but he did take the act 
of going down on that unana and making sure that he hit it from the front, back, and the side. And then you think, oh, now that we did that, we should be closer. But then you notice that he starts acting more distant. That's because a lot of that was an act. Most of that energy was something that he did because he knew that that was the only way that you would respond or be emotionally and physically open to him. Yeah, you will watch him become a crappier version of himself. He will stop texting. He will stop sending songs. He will start being disrespectful around you. He will probably just act like a piece of crap until you get your better wits about you to actually leave him. And depending on his nature, if he's passive aggressive, you can expect this twice as much because passive aggressive men think they're doing you a favor by not directly telling you they don't like you, they don't want you, or he might even just put you on the bench. He might be like, "Mm, you know, I like this. I'll only do this once a week and I'll go date others in the meantime. And he will just allow you to be in his world, be in his space while also being super confusing. In reality, though, it's actually not that confusing. When a man is 100% about you, he's not going to leave any room for confusion. He's going to tell you outright, I know what I want and it's you. And he's going to be seeking that exclusivity clarity from you. It's not going to be, oh, I like you, but I can't give you commitment. It's going to be, no, I like you and I want commitment and I want to take the next step. There's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's going to be so direct, so clear, and he's not going to leave space for anybody else to infiltrate a gap between you and him. And while we're on this topic, I saw this awesome TikTok video today that said, if a man creates any shadow of a doubt that he is not 100% about you, girl, run with it, okay? That man's not 100% about you. Not even a little inkling of you should sit there and wonder, does this man like me the way I like him or is he even actually fully 100% into me? That's your cue to run away and go find someone who's not gonna occupy that mental, emotional, and physical space in your life. Now, what is post-vaccination desperation? One of my followers brought up that what we're all going through right now is post-vaccination desperation, and that's why so much of this current content that I'm making feels so relatable to them. So thank you to the person who came up with that term in my community. I think it's a great topic, and I would love to talk about it with you guys. If you were like me, and you stayed inside the house and you quarantined, and maybe you moseyed around on the apps, you are probably incredibly painfully single. I think it's more of a physical element for all of the people who decided, hey, I'm not going to date during quarantine. Maybe you guys even just decided that you were just going to like chill on your bed and maybe you guys gained a few pounds and you probably had a glow down. But now you glowed up because you got vaccinated and you hit the gyms again. And now you're like, I got this hot body and I want to throw it on people. Yeah. And you really don't care who you throw it to. It's kind of like a reemergence of your hoe phase. And let me be clear, post-vaccination desperation is more in reference to like you having incredibly strict boundaries and maybe even being like very reserved prior to 2020 and then after being locked up in your room or maybe even like having a celibacy period, suddenly you just want to lash out. Maybe you even want to be off the rails. Yeah, it is a little destructive and it can be dysfunctional. Maybe your post-vaccination desperation leads you into getting involved with people who have absolutely no business being in your presence. And I mean people who are just basically dusty. But I also think that there's this element of like, maybe you're not in touch with your friends anymore. Maybe you cut ties with some of your family members. I feel like with post-vaccination desperation, That energy of wanting a friend or looking for excitement or looking for something that's going to give you something to look forward to. Things that you would normally have in your life pre-2020, 
I feel like with post-vaccination desperation, you're putting it all on these men from dating apps or these dudes who are in your romantic space. And because of that, you're so eager to have a man to have those things in your life again. Except the way that you'll have a man in your life is in a way that will not match your standards pre-2020. It's not even like, oh, these are my taste buds changing. Yeah, I'm evolving. No, girl. It's you outright settling just to have something to look forward to or somebody to fill the void that your friends filled for you. It's so tragic. But for me, the way that this played into my life is that Yeah, it did make me want to relax from the sugaring, which you know what? That wasn't a bad thing for me. I actually do think that that was a necessary break. But when I did, I started getting involved with guys who were in my age group, who were people that I considered attractive, you know, to me, because not everybody is attractive to another person. And with that involvement came the energy of, I want to get dressed up and I want to go out. And I don't just want to go out. I want to go out looking like a And not only do I want to go out and look like a But if this date ends in us making out, I'm going to love that. And I just wanted my relationships to develop into being on a schedule. And even if a guy was like, oh, this isn't going to work out for me because your financial requirements are too much, I would be like, okay, well then let's be friends with benefits. And eventually I allowed that into my world. And then I came back to my senses and I was like, no, I am not a person who was emotionally equipped to be that. But I let my desperate, pent up mind lead me down that path of not holding men to my full standards and I don't think that going through a hoe phase means that you're a desperate person or that you're going through desperation but for me that's where it was coming from because I felt like I had been so emotionally and physically starved especially on top of my last relationship being an emotionally abusive one the only reason why I'm going to support living the hoe life is if it's 100% on your terms if you're being safe about it if you know what you're getting involved with And if you are keeping yourself mentally sane and taking the mental, emotional precautions to make sure that you are not living a life of delusion and thinking that these hookup dudes are going to end up becoming your boyfriend. And once again, it always, always, always has to be on your terms. Like, you should be the aggressor. Which means you can tell that man, I want to see you in two or three days. And he's like, okay, bet. And he puts you on the schedule. Not hitting you up at midnight and then you rushing over and completely derailing your night just to get some backyard D. This might just be one of those things, besties, that you have to get out of your system and learn the hard lessons for yourself. Personally, I don't think that hookup culture is anything to play around with, especially with dusties. Make sure you stay protected. Make sure you know that a hookup is just that, a hookup. You are not emotionally involved. There is no direction for the end of the relationship. There is nothing over the horizon. There is no hopes. Um, If they are not showing you that they really like you and are into you, guess what? They are not Don't delude yourself. You're only going to hurt yourself down the road. And just make sure that if you're going to let people waste your time, that you have time to waste. Because, oh my God, I let these people waste so much of my time. But maybe some of you guys are better than me. I'm personally somebody who learns from experience. I found myself taking L's that I would have never taken at 22, 23, 24. Like, I had literally completely forgotten what a red flag looked like in real life. And I literally just ran straight towards them because I was just like, oh, he's cute. He's being nice to me. He's giving me attention. I want a friend. And then like two or three weeks, it just developed into total crap and emotional devastation for me. At this point, a lot of you guys are probably well into the dating scene and have probably experienced some version of this. Hopefully you got your little hoe phase out. Maybe you had one or two people that you did the do with. Maybe you had a pregnancy scare or an STD scare. 
let's just hope that we get past this phase and we can return back to our normal logical selves and maybe be even more strapped up with better information. Like before this, I thought I was just the person who got love drunk. Nope, it's called limerence and it's called emotional dysregulation. And as stupid as most of us like to think that men are, you guys, we gotta be honest, a lot of them are definitely going to play to the fact that we have been emotionally and physically starved and they're definitely gonna come in with that love bombing knowing how effective it's going to be. Even if we don't believe it at first, we might sit there with ourselves, go back home after a bad date and be like, hmm, you know, I am a little lonely, you know, I don't really have friends. Like we might actually accept some type of toxicity or openly settle for something that's far beneath our standards and things that we normally would have accepted prior to this period of self-isolation and quarantining. A man who knows that he ain't is definitely going to use it as an opportunity to get in a and to ragdoll you around emotionally and physically. He might not even give you the decency of putting you on a schedule like he literally will absolutely disrespect you and treat you like a convenience so let's make sure we're not going down that road now what I want to move next into is the story time yes that's right finally the story time about how I got involved with the felon haha <laughs> my love after lockup story this was something that I told on twitch but today I will share it with the podcast it has been like over a month since I went through this and I'm not gonna lie you guys I bounced back pretty quick I was sad for like a week and then I got over it real fast why because the man was a liar he was a total liar and this time I'm actually gonna sit here and tell it like event by event so uh put on your seatbelts besties you guys are probably wondering Fleeksy, where in the world did you meet a felon on tinder duh um so first of all his profile it was like <laughs> It had one good picture. Um, one of my friends said that he looked, uh, she said that she could see the criminal in him. I didn't think so, but I do think that there was a grungy element to him, but I just thought it was because he was a blue collar man. And when I say blue collar, he did work in the construction field. And um, by the way, we were calling this man the tradesman on TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch. So I guess we're going to continue to call him that on here. The thing is that I did actually consider the tradesman to be very conventionally attractive in person. He was 34. He is 5'10". Now, because it was Tinder, he did not have a good bio. In fact, I actually think it's something that I've noticed has been copied and pasted across multiple Tinder bios. It was like Battlestars, Beats, Galactica, whatever. And then he just put like randomly like, oh, I like music. And then it was his Spotify top played. Which, yeah. Okay, pick a struggle. Are we going with bad pictures and bad bios? Sir. Some green flags that I noticed about him was him being interested in setting up a restaurant for a first date. Now, at the time, I was like, oh, that's really nice. However, that's the bare minimum, right? And this also had another reason. It actually served a purpose in his mind. The purpose being that he has a breathalyzer in his car and his car will not start unless he blows into it and is on a legal limit or is either at zero. So yes, that was the reason why he wanted to go to a restaurant. But I was like, you know what? I want to go get drinks. And I didn't know this about this man yet. And anybody who knows anything is probably going Fleeksy, a breathalyzer in his car. Was he on probation? You know what? I found out on the fourth date that he was. Yeah, that's right, besties. Four whole dates. Actually, it went a lot further than that. But <laughs> uh, let me just try to unfold this one thing at a time. 
You guys are probably wondering, how did a man like this make it to four dates and beyond? When I went to the bar that I told him to meet me at, which he was okay with doing, and then I got there and then I found out he was only watching me drink. Um, but when we got there, I basically was kind of like testing him with my umbrella, which let me make it make sense for you. The guy that came before him didn't believe in chivalry. I asked him if he would hold my umbrella for me and he was like, um, okay. And he was having like such an awkward time holding it over the both of us as we were walking through the rain for one part of the day. He did not want to watch it or be responsible for it. I think he knew he was going to lose that shit. And this guy, when I came into the bar with the tradesman, I gave him my umbrella and right away he was like, of course I'll protect your umbrella. I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm going to make sure I won't lose it. Like he was being so nice about it. I was like, wow, you guys, I might have to make the umbrella my new test for if he's a gentleman or not. Which, by the way, oh my god, such a corny test. Also, this man at this bar started bragging to me about how he spent $9,000 on his car replacing the engine and how he had to sell one of his bitcoins to do it. So right out the gate, he was trying to act like he had money in the bank, shoddy what you drank. People who have money don't talk about it, but for some reason at the time, I was like, wow, he has bitcoins. Me being naive and desperate again. And I should have known something was weird because he immediately started talking about how he has to pay taxes for them but that he has three years to do it so it's no big deal. And when he's telling me about his truck that got all the work done on it, he starts telling me he's in construction. So that's when I like put two and two together and I was like, oh... You must be a criminal or you must have like a criminal past, which I know is messed up, but I've watched the show Love After Lockup and I find that most of the men who end up in that career are people who are just kind of like the ex-cons. By the way, he did mention that he used to have a party boy past and that's why he was sober now. Um, But yeah, so at this point, the red flags were talking about his car, talking about tax evasion and um, mentioning that he had bitcoins, just trying to seem like he had money. Another red flag was that he was telling me that he was planning on living in Florida for the next few years, which in and of itself isn't a red flag. But he told me that he was planning on building a house and living in it, and that he already basically had like bought the land to do it, and that he just needs to build a home. Now keep this in mind, because this is going to come back up later on. I know this detail alone isn't a red flag, but just keep it in your pocket for now. He also was telling me about his career goals in the construction field, which I know seem very innocent at first, but I think there's something to be said about somebody who lays out all of their career goals in front of you instead of telling you where they are right now and why they're so proud to be there. I just think that it's kind of selling potential early on where I wasn't even asking for it. So right away, I felt like this was a man who should put that he's sober on his bio Um, I noticed on Tinder he didn't do that, but then one day I was moseying around on Bumble and I found his profile, which I will get back to at another point, but in there it said he was sober. Maybe this man didn't think I would meet up with him unless it was completely on my terms, i.e. at a bar of my choosing, which I mean was nice, but I do kind of feel like I got bamboozled. But let's continue on with the story. Normally, I am not a supporter or advocate of getting into their car and driving around from place to place, but I had been drinking and I didn't feel like walking in my heels and it was raining, so 
We did take his car. And then when we get into his car, that's when your girl sees the breathalyzer. And as soon as he starts his car, it's like beep, 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 beep. And then he has to blow into it. So it's like, and I had no idea what it was. I was so naive. It wasn't like, oh, he's on probation, obviously. No, like I literally had no idea. By the way, did you guys know that it costs like $150 a month to keep one of those in the car as like a part of the punishment? Do not ever get a DUI. We get to the next location, which is a restaurant, and we sit at the bar. And when we're there, in the middle of like eating the food and talking, that's when he tells me that he has um, a past of having DUIs, being a party boy. He has a history of heroin addiction. He's been in AA. He lives a sober life now. He's clean. He makes an honest living. And instantly I was like, oh, I do not know what to think about that. And he was like, well, you don't have to think anything right now. You don't have to decide right now. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, I appreciate you being honest and giving me the ability to make that decision. I can respect that. And just to be clear, I'm absolutely not judging anybody who has gone through addiction or who has been through a past or even anybody who's been through AA. I totally understand why addiction is a disease and it does not target any specific type of person. So my out loud concern to him at this time was, I would just wonder how that would affect your brain on a neurochemical level to this day, like... You know, how are you as an individual? How have you like managed it? And, you know, to me, that's something that I would only know through time. One of the things that was keeping me in a positive mind state was the fact that Taisha and Zach Clark have, um, you know, they've been together for a while and he's had a past with opium addiction. So I was like, okay, I know it's possible to get past that and live a normal life. But at this point, I did not know everything about his life. And even when I did know everything, I still did not know everything because this man lied so much. One thing that I did like at this point was that this man was being very mindful of my physical boundaries. He was like, oh, do I have permission to touch you? He literally had the fear of God in his eyes when it came to like touching me and putting his hands on me. He was so mindful about it. It was actually cute. So I thought, wow, okay, like maybe he has this past, but look at how gentlemanly he is with like not wanting to touch me right away, not trying to assert himself in that manner. But also um, he had this truck and he was like picking me up in and out of it and It was low-key giving me princess treatment. I was appreciating it, and he seemed like he was being kind of sweet about it. So, you know, there were things that were redeeming at this point. It isn't until we get to bar number three, and we're probably like four hours into this date, that he tells me about how he went from Texas to Missouri, back and forth, transporting ecstasy and Molly. And that's where he ended up going to jail and starting his life of crime to where he eventually ended up doing a series of other crimes. But the way that he sets it up is he tells me about how he has this like ex-girlfriend that he dated for six years, got her a car, she got pregnant, and then when she got pregnant, he found out that it was another man's baby and that this was the reason why his life spiraled out of control and why he got into the drugs and the drinking and the transporting of drugs. And it was kind of like a sad story that like, 
I couldn't help but feel sympathy towards. And I was like, okay, that's actually believable. At this point, I was just like, all right. Like, I didn't think anything bad of it. But now in retrospect, it's like, okay, this was a man who was not taking accountability for his own actions. So there's the next red flag, besties. This was a man who was blaming his criminal behavior on the fact that he had a tumultuous relationship and a dramatic ending to one. Another thing, too. One of the lies that I ended up finding out was that he made it sound like his life of crime started at 24 years old after this whole relationship fell apart. But really, the T is, is that he's been in and out of court from the age of 17 to 34. This man has spent almost 15 years of his life having every single one of those years involve going in and out of court. Which is absolutely wild to me. By the way, you guys, I found out this information when I went to go through his court records after going live on my TikTok and my TikTok audience teaching me how to do it through the chat. You guys rock, by the way. But uh, let me continue the story. One detail that I'm leaving out here is that on the very first date, I got pretty lit, you guys, and I had this like wild makeout session with him. And then when I went on the second date with him, he just took me out to go for sushi. And it was only like a two hour date, but it basically ended once again in a wild makeout session, which <laughs> in the back of his truck. Now, you guys, one of the selling points that I liked about this guy was that. <laughs> I enjoyed making out in the back of his truck with him and my mom and my sister were like um he has a truck uh he works in construction Mm, he does CrossFit girl he's a Republican and I was like no he's not he told me he's a liberal guys it later on down the road when I found his Bumble profile it said moderate and this was like way 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 into dating him So if your man's politics matters to you, please be on the lookout for a man who does CrossFit who also owns a big white truck. But moving on, so even like the third date, this man showed up and out. He bought this brand new outfit. He picked me up at my house. He opened up the truck door. We went to this dine-in movie theater. He was buying me whatever I wanted, food, drinks. We went out to go get lunch afterwards. More food, more drinks. Then he went to a bar with me. More drinks, more drinks. And he's chauffeuring me the whole time. He was really holding it down. On this date, he actually ended up stepping in a giant pile of dog poop. And then that's when I realized, oh, this man is wearing like shoe head sneakers. Like, if you guys know what I'm talking about, they're basically like the limited edition type of Nike sneakers, which I'm so sorry, but that's a red flag. I have never met a man who had those who wasn't some type of boy. It was actually kind of hilarious, but I was trying to be nice because I still did like him. And um, because he had a truck that was like for his construction job, he had all these like little tools and things to actually clean up the poop on the bottom of his shoe. But it was like, man this dude looks sad trying to scrape the poop off on the side of this parking lot eventually we move past this moment and we're at the bars and that's when I start opening up to him about like the trauma that the internet has caused me and how like I'm hyper vigilant as a result and I just remember him getting like really really quiet and really weird about it like in a way where it made me feel like oh this man isn't understanding me or he's not connecting to me or he just really doesn't give a crap and then another red flag was that he went back to talking about how his goals are to have like a family and kids and be married and settle down and he's done with the party life and then he was like oh but you don't want kids 
And I was like, yeah, I do, but only if I'm going to be able to be like a stay-at-home wife and to be able to focus on my passions and to just be, you know, provided for. And this man basically inadvertently asked me, but what value would you bring to the relationship? As if being a stay-at-home mom isn't already a $100,000 salary list job. Honestly, you guys, I should have known right there and then it was game over because no man asks you that question unless he does not see your value or he does not understand the value that a woman brings. And this was a 34-year-old man like, police, sir, I know that you are not almost 10 years my senior. Bruh. Also, you guys, I do the social media thing. Please, let's not pretend like it's not work because it definitely is. And this goes back to him not seeing the value in social media or in myself and the work that I do already. On this particular date, I also remember that he finally admitted one of his extra crimes to me, which was forgery and fraud. He described the scam as being this like check scheme where he would basically get like a homeless person to cash a check that would be like maybe $10,000 or $9,000 and then he would give the homeless person 1000 So basically he's keeping the rest and then he's using it for himself. And he also was telling me that because he had made so much money doing this that he had owned three properties, he flipped these houses. But the thing with people who have a felonious background is that there's not a lot of career opportunities for them. There's not places that will take them after they see that background check, especially with his Christmas list. And I think when you do get down that path, your only option is real estate and flipping homes. You actually can't even rent an apartment, which this is not me trying to scare away people from people who have reformed, but that's just the tea. So he can flip a home and then he can go on to live in it if he wanted to. And then he would never have to worry about renting an apartment. So a lot of these guys do turn to flipping homes or they turn into investing and they become Bitcoin bros. He actually told me that because he did this, He uh, had all of his assets seized by the time he was 30 and he ended up with absolutely nothing, no car, no house, and living back with his mom starting from zero because the government couldn't prove his income. What he described to me at this point of his life was that somebody had snitched him out for transporting ecstasy or molly or whatever he was doing between Missouri and Texas. At first, they were just there to get him for the drugs, but they raided his home and they found all the fraudulent fake checks and that's when they were like oh this man's doing this as well so they basically threw the entire book at him but he was telling me that he was so sure that he would have never gotten caught that it was such like a hidden type of scheme but to me I think with these people who do these like career criminal paths that's the reason they're on that path, right? Because they never think they're going to get caught. They feel untouchable by the law. I know you guys are thinking that I probably should have ended it on date four and that I'm absolutely crazy for not doing so. But he made it seem like this was something that was like four years ago. He's been through it already. Like he settled it out in court. He's already doing his time or he's done most of his time. And that... He's a new man now. And I thought, you know what? There is something to be said about somebody who is openly shitty, right? Like, it's one thing when somebody hides their shittiness, but it's another when somebody's out here like, yeah, I did that. I'm done. Uh, This is who I am today. Like, I don't know why. I just thought it was redeeming. What was getting this guy past the first date 
past the second date and past the third was that he was willing to go to restaurants. He was willing to be the chauffeur while I drank. He was paying for everything. He was down to do the cute dates. He was being like appropriately touchy, not overly so. He was also being a very good texter. Like I would say even like a double, triple, quadruple texter. If I didn't sit there and like text him for the first four or five hours of the morning, I would have like six text messages and one of them would be a song and like asking me how my day was, a good morning text. Apparently from what I've heard across the board is that a lot of you guys who have dated felons also got songs sent to you. You guys also mentioned getting super texted the same way. Another thing that he did that apparently you guys said that your felons did was that he asked me for selfies like every day. But it's so funny because I was using Instagram filters on them. You know, the ones that look ever so slightly natural. And once he found out that I was using filters, he stopped asking for the selfies. Okay, but eventually this little act that he put on yeah, it didn't last forever. It wasn't until date number four. I was kind of feeling like safe and stuff. Enough to want to go back to his place and actually get physical with him. Because at this point, like, I was actually very physically attracted. And I really wanted to do stuff. And I didn't really know, like, how severe his criminal record actually was. I didn't know all these things. And I was very much buying into the story. So basically, I go back to his place. I give him a then the next day comes and I didn't get my good morning text. This man was always sending me a good morning text and he was always sending me a song. And I was like, whoa, whoa, he literally gets in one and he's already acting different. I literally actually started crying the entire day because I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. I got physical with him and he already is acting like he got what he wanted and we didn't even at this time, I was telling myself, oh, you know, it's okay. It's actually just because I'm a preoccupied attachment style. And maybe he just slept in and maybe it's not that serious. And you guys on TikTok were trying to keep me sane. You guys were like, oh, he probably is doing this. He's probably doing that. And yeah, basically way later on in the day at like 6 p.m., I ended up getting a message from him asking me how my day was and him being like, yeah, I slept in. And I was like oh, okay, like I was playing it cool. Like I stopped crying. I started acting normal. I asked him if we could do a phone call. And when we did that phone call, I was like, hey, I felt like it was inconsistent that you didn't text me good morning today. You know, me trying to communicate it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, you're like always texting me good morning. You've never not done that. And he was like, oh, I don't always text good morning. Which, by the way, yes, yes, he was always texting good morning. By this point, I noticed that he didn't ask me for my social media. He wasn't interested in my Instagram or my social media persona in any capacity. I also noticed that he didn't compliment me for being funny. He never talked about my personality. He just always fixated on the way that I looked. And just right off the bat, it was making me start to miss the guy that came before him. Because even though the guy before him made me lose my umbrella he acted like I was the most talented piece of in the world and like I had so much going for me and I was like man like this relationship would be everything and I would feel like I actually have a future with this guy if he would just do that so I did finally give him my social media and he didn't even try to look at anything which he says he didn't I don't know but I thought it was wild that he wasn't even just like the slightest bit interested which was my warning sign by the way because I think that they should care 
like any guy who actually wants potential with you or wants to have a future with you should know what you're up to in some capacity. Well, besties, let's talk about the fifth date. The fifth date was the one where I told myself, you know what? I'm going to go to this man's house. We're going to have a sleepover. And yeah, we're going to have the do too, right? Like morning and night. The way that this was leading up, though, was starting to get suspicious because I noticed that he was never making the plan until the day of. Like, it would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see you Friday or I'm going to see you Wednesday. And then it would be like days in between where we could actually be thinking and talking about what to do. But he would just be hitting me up with like fluffy talk like, hey, what's up? And then I'd be like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And he wouldn't even think of anything. And that's fine if he can't because I don't mind doing that myself. So last minute, we basically decide to go to this Mexican restaurant. And when we're there, I'm sitting around with him. And when we're sitting at this bar, he tells me, like, that he really likes the Rihanna song that's playing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. And then he drops something about how, like, Rihanna is hot. And to me, it's like, can we appreciate an artist without dropping the fact that we're sexually attracted to them? Like, we can all appreciate Rihanna and know that she's hot inherently without being like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous for that. But I don't care. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's unnecessary. And I think it's socially clueless to do, to do that around a woman that you're dating. So, yeah, I called him out for doing that. I was like, hey, we can appreciate Rihanna without mentioning that aspect of her. And then he tried to be like, oh, but it's true. Oh, but you're not the only attractive woman. And yes, it's true. No, I'm not. However, back to being socially clueless, like, and so unnecessary, too. After that, we get relocated to an actual table. And when we're sitting at this table is when he mentions again. He's like, you and me, this is actually serious. Like, we're going to end up in marriage and kids. And this time around, I'm actually believing it. Like, before, I was like, eh, maybe he's lying. He's kind of like doing a little too much by even mentioning it like it's one thing to have an intention it's another thing to say it's specifically going to be with you but this time I was like you know what I think he's attractive like I'm on the fifth date with this guy I'm into it up until this point I had not dispelled the lies so I was DTF for what he was saying the night ends we end up and afterwards I think it's just like wise to take a shower you know, whatever. <laughs> and when I get into a shower, because I'm washing off my makeup in the shower anyways, too, I realized, oh my god, this water heater is broken. It wasn't even like lukewarm. It was leaning towards like actually being cold water. So I had the coldest shower. And when I was like, hey, your water doesn't heat up. He was like, yeah, it does. And I was like, no, like I was waiting for five minutes. Like I was literally standing around naked waiting for his shower to heat up on the outside, just like getting the chills. And eventually I was just like, I guess this is what it is because this is the hottest side. And I tested the other side and it was cold. So he actually was gaslighting me about his shower water heater not being broken. It was so obvious that it was. The next morning, he's making breakfast for us, and his roommate is walking around because, by the way, you guys, these construction dudes will end up, like, living with, like, their other coworkers or whatever. 
So the tradesman's washing his hands in the sink because I think he touched something moldy and he was smelling his fingers to make sure the mold smell was gone because he's like, ah, oh, like that smell lingers. And when he did that, his roommate walked around the corner and was like, ha 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 ha, smell my fingers while I was sitting there at the kitchen table. And I made the immediate comment like, um, I'm right here. Because the guy that I was, you know, the guy that I was with, he actually like let out a little chuckle and laughed about it. But I found that so gross and disrespectful, which a lot of you guys on um, my Twitch channel said like, oh, that's like common with construction dudes to make like degrading jokes about women. But I was like, mm, you know, the disrespect was starting to show. After that happens, we're hanging out in his house and he starts to tell me about how he is paying off his truck actively. Which, by the way, what? You paid $9,000 for, like, some engine work on a truck that you haven't even fully paid off? And then he tells me about how his college debt isn't paid off and how he had $80,000 for a graphic design and marketing degree, which, by the way, he used for forgery and fraud. Um, And then, what else did he tell me? Oh, yeah, because he spent so much money on the truck or whatever – he mentioned that he didn't even buy the land that he wanted for the house that he was planning on building, which he made it sound like he had already bought that land in the very first date and that he was halfway there to being where he wanted to be. And that's when I was like taking mental notes. I'm like, okay, these are the future faking. Like these are the future faking lies. So I went home and I wrote down the whole thing about the truck, his degree, uh, the way that he lied about buying the land already and how he was like talking about how he was going to buy it in 2022, which could also be another lie, right? And then I added to the list him saying that he wanted to have a family with me and him saying that he wanted to marry me. Because at this point, date number five, if this was a man who wanted to go exclusive and he was serious about that, I think that he would have already made the move. I think like now would have been the point when the conversations would have started happening. And it's messed up, but at this point, I did actually want that conversation, despite the fact that I was putting together the lies. And what we did was just like agree to watch Squid Games because it was right when Squid Games came out. So if the last time we saw each other was on Sunday morning, we agreed to see each other again on a Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening comes. I'm about to go head out to his place. I'm texting him that I'm on the way. And when I get to my first red light, I get a text from him that says, hey, do you want dessert? And I was thinking, "Mm, you know, I know that he's like cooking dinner right now and I don't even want to be there while he makes his food because I already ate. So I was thinking, oh, does he want to go get ice cream or does he want to go to the store with me? It's like a 15 minute drive from my place to his. So I was thinking that that was probably going to be the move. So I said, oh, let me decide when I get there. He responds right away. No, I'm going to go to the store right now. And I was like, dude, I'm going to be there in like 13 minutes. No, you're not going to have enough time to make it. And I don't want to be sitting there waiting for you. Also, why ask me, do you want dessert and not just say, hey, I'm going to go make this run really quickly? Like why ask for permission in the most inadvertent way? So he says, I'm going to go to the store and I'm like, no, like, please don't. I'm like 13 minutes away. And all I get back from him is a text message that says, fine. And I'm like, fine, dude, it's so passive aggressive. And one of the things about the time when I agreed to meet him on this day was like, okay, if I go out there and meet him at his house, 
Like, and I'm already, you know, I'm already full from having eaten. I didn't want to sit there and watch him cook. Like, I just wanted to get there and just watch Squid Games with him. Well, when I get there, he's cooking. Like, it's like he just threw whatever he was cooking on the stove. So the plan is already kind of like, what? And while he's making this food, he's complaining about how I should have brought dessert. But he literally did not even tell me that he wanted it until I was already on the road. And I'm like, dude, I brought myself. And his roommate was floating around. And him and the roommate at the same time went, yeah, true. So they both knew that that was an audacious request to ask me to have done something like that. And then he's at the dinner table and he's like making a plate for himself. And he asked me if I wanted some. So I was like, yeah, sure. And then when I did, he was like, yeah, you better. Which was like, huh? He finishes eating and then the dessert thing comes up one more time. But this time he's like, oh, I totally could have made it. Oh, man, I want that dessert so bad right now. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't have made it. I would have been left waiting outside and the queen must not be left waiting, which was obviously like a semi joke, but also semi truth. But he did not look amused by it. So we move past this point. We're on the couch. We're getting ready to watch Squid Games. I think we were like at episode four when this happened. But I was telling him like that I was on Twitter and I was looking at the memes and we hadn't gotten to the episode where they start telling everybody's names. So I was like, oh, yeah, I noticed that they were saying that so and so was hot. And I didn't even know who they were talking about. I just like the tweet because I'm enjoying the show so much. And then he goes, Oh, yeah, the North Korean girl is really hot, which was like, skirt. First of all, nobody even knows if it was about the North Korean girl. Who invited that commentary? And once again, did I not just tell you the last date that I don't want you doing that around me? So at this point, I got like a little bit more attitude with him than the last time. And he said the same thing like, oh, you're not the only hot girl. Oh, but it's true. And I'm like, just irritated because it's giving disrespect towards women on top of like all the other stuff that he did beforehand and he agreed to stop and not do that but he looked annoyed (laughs) he like you know he begrudgingly agreed so I had about three beers in the span of two hours while being at his place and the night ended up with us but then like the session was so short and lame And he was like, okay, well, I have to go to bed because I have work tomorrow. You can sleep over if you want. And it's like, dude, I don't want to sleep at 10 p.m. Like, this man knows I don't sleep until 6 a.m. What the f***? Like, it was just like such an obvious no. And I just think I felt physically disconnected from him. I felt emotionally disconnected. I felt like the needle wasn't moving in the relationship. And I could tell that he was just going through the motions. And in my heart of hearts, I knew that that was probably going to be the last time that I saw him. And in his, like, in his commentary towards me, he was saying, like, oh, yeah, we'll go to the beach next time we see each other, which would have been, like, I don't know, on a Saturday. And, (laughs) yeah, obviously that didn't happen, right? Like, I think he texted me good morning the day after I um, had, you know, the day after that night. And then the next day he did not text me anything. And then he basically ghosted me. And that's when I went on Bumble and I switched to the moderate side of the filters. And that's where I found his profile. And I found out this guy isn't a f***ing liberal. He lied. 
So at this point, I'm realizing what the relationship is, what it wasn't all along. And then I'm on TikTok and I'm talking about this entire thing. And the girls of TikTok taught me how to look up the government court records of Missouri. If you guys want to find this TikTok, we talk about it in the comments. Um, it, the video is called I Need the Advice, Not You on the thumbnail. So go ahead and try to find that if you can. But uh, yeah, it's in the comments on how to find the court records. But basically... I found out that this man didn't just start his life of crime at 24. It started at 17. I find out that he did more than forgery, fraud, and, like, drug trafficking. He has actual theft of, like, somebody's property and possession. And I think, like, vehicular theft or something. Which was, like, oh, my God. He was probably never going to stop being a liar. Like, he was probably a pathological liar, but he was so calm and soft with his demeanor and he had learned how to like behave around a probation officer that I was basically getting the probation officer treatment and on TikTok that's when you guys were saying oh my god the felon that I dated was sending me love songs too he was always asking for selfies too he also was blowing me up with text messages when he was first getting to know me and then completely stopped as well um you guys also mentioned that your felons called women hot around you as well so I think there's a very similar pattern here. For me, this would have been preventable if I just ran a background check on the dude as soon as the first date ended when he told me that he has this like crazy criminal record. Like I could have seen all the stuff that he wasn't telling me about right out the gate. I probably could have prevented this entire relationship from happening. Because the whole appeal with him was that he was being honest about his past and that he seemed reformed. And it's like, oh no, this guy is still like actively being shady. And maybe not in a way where he's engaging in drug trafficking and, you know, fraud, but he is still lying, right? Like, he does still have a lying demeanor to him. Also, the part of me that was on Bumble, only swiping on the liberal section, if I had changed it to moderate, I would have found him instantly. But I think that's pretty much the end of the story. I, I was sad for, like, a good week. And then I got over it because at the end of the day, I didn't know who this man was. He misled me intentionally. I didn't actually get to miss a person. I just was kind of missing the excitement of the dates and the consistency and somebody who was willing to spend money on the relationship. I was also looking at it like, okay, if I was to actually stay with this guy and get married to him in the way that he wanted, I would never be able to get an apartment until he could get his felon status cleared up. I would probably have to take out credit cards for the both of us because he couldn't apply to them with his little history. This is a guy who's never going to have um, opportunity for career mobility because of his Christmas rap sheet, right? Like he's always going to be doing some type of construction and that could take him all over the United States depending on what direction he goes in, right? It was just all around something that I was in because I wasn't thinking clearly with my right mind and I wasn't even considering what it would actually be like to be in a relationship with someone who had to deal with those ramifications. Plus, the fact that he was still on probation. You guys, he was going to be on probation for another three years. I think this was a guy who's just not ready for a relationship. Maybe he thought that like, oh, he's in Florida now from Missouri. Now he has this like grand new start. A place where no one knows him. A place where people might be naive to people like him. Which, yeah, <laughs> it's true. I was. To me, though, wrapping up this entire topic with limerence, emotional dysregulation, post-vaccination desperation, 
I think that it really plays into the favor of all these men who aren't ready for relationships, who all they have to do is just say that they want one. And whether they actually are in a place in their life where they can take on a relationship or not, as long as we're head over heels and falling for the love bombing, they're going to be able to get in and get out and do whatever they want to do unless we have extreme boundaries and we make them wait and we don't act on our post-vaccination desperation. So instead of looking for a friend and a boyfriend and trying to have them fill out that hole all together, be realistic. That's not going to happen in the span of one to three weeks. Think about how long it took for your best friend to become your best friend if you ever had one in your adulthood life. Those relationships take time. It takes time to even know if you have that compatibility. Checking your desperation is a really hard thing to do because it's like, who wants to admit that you're desperate? But in reality, what checking your desperation looks like is telling yourself, man, I could really use somebody to tell my secrets to. Or, wow, this really great thing just happened to me, but I don't have anyone to tell besides my mom or maybe like my sister or my brother. Like, I wish I had a friend to share that with. Acknowledging that you don't have that place to go to is a way of checking your desperation. And another way to check your desperation is when you realize that, oh, you just met this random man and you're running to him to share this news to or this information with, even though you don't really know him like that or he might not even be deserving of that level of informational intimacy. Girl, you're craving a friendship with somebody that you may have only known for like one week or two weeks. And yeah, it probably does feel really gratifying to even be able to have that ear. Realize that, that that instance of gratification is a sign that you're starved. And for a man who's bum-rushing this intimacy, that's probably one of the greatest things that you can give him because that just makes it that much faster for him to come in and out, right? And for him to be able to say what he needs to say to get what he wants to get to accelerate the process of you with zero commitment or any display of consistency and character. I think we just have to stick to our guns, treat them as strangers. I also think there's something to be said about a man who comes out the gate being disrespectful. Women become so instantly attractive the second that they drop kick a man out of their life for acting like a piece of shit. Thinking that he can even be entitled or trying to come out the gate gaslighting or the second that he switches up as soon as we respond to that switch up by not allowing them to have access to us or just by pulling back ourselves. Like for me with my situation, the guy, you know, the tradesman guy, when he stopped sending me love songs and when he stopped sending good morning messages already thinking like, oh, he got what he wanted after just one dude. You know, I wouldn't have even given him the opportunity to call women hot around me. I wouldn't have given him the opportunity to gaslight me about his shower heater or whatever, his water heater not being broken. I feel like these topics require so much emotional and mental control, and sometimes we want to kick ourselves for it. But the most important thing to do when you are coming from a place of, I just want love, I just want to give love, I just want a connection... I want to replace my old connection to fill the void in my heart. Instead of kicking ourselves and telling ourselves, oh my God, these feelings suck. I wish they would go away. Why can't I just be neutral? I just want to be happy. What we really need to do is say, hey feelings, I hear you. Hey, I can tell you're feeling lonely today. 
I can tell you're craving a connection. I can see that you have a lot of love to give. Those feelings are demanding to be heard. So hear them out, recognize them, give them the opportunity to be listened to. Show them compassion, show them love, be understanding of them. Don't fight them off and tell them they're stupid. And then you need to sit with yourself and go, I am so much more than the attachment that I have to other people. My life has so much more purpose than giving love to another person who doesn't even want that love. Then remind yourself how amazing it is that you can even love to that capacity, that you can be that apologetic to maybe want to give love to somebody who rejected it time and time again or stomped all over it. And when you're telling yourself, you know what, they don't deserve that love. I deserve that love. Turn it around and give it back to you. And don't see it as yourself being mean to them. See it as yourself being nice to you. And maybe if you have somebody in your past who you rejected the love of and you felt a little bad about it, remember what it was like to be on the other end, about how there was no hostility on your side. Or maybe there were things about them that they just had to work on and them loving you just wasn't enough to make the relationship work because maybe you had your own personal reasons. Remember that that other person has personal reasons and that other people have personal reasons for why they're not ready for what you have to offer. If this is somebody who did you wrong, be angry, okay? You have every right to be angry about it, be pissed off. I'm not telling you to not recognize that emotion. Do what you need to do to cope with that anger. For me, I turn it into TikToks that you guys end up resonating with, which is wild because I'm literally just making like a diary post and then you guys are like, me too, wow, same experience. So find an outlet for your voice. Find a place where you can get affirmed for your anger. If you go back to that person with your anger, they're either gonna ignore it, they're gonna gaslight you and deny your experience, or they're gonna placate you and give you a sorry. And because you might be so emotional for this person, you might see it as them letting you back into their life, or you might leave the door open just because it was gratifying to hear that apology and you like them so much that, you know what, yeah, they made you mad, but you want to let them back in. Please remember that when someone is gone, they are gone. You have to move on. You're hurting yourself by keeping that door open. And you need to accept that there's a future for you that doesn't involve this person in it. And don't paint them into it. Don't find a way to fit them into your future at all. Don't even think about the possibility of them coming back. You will be able to move on so much faster and get away from this attachment if you allow yourself to have a world where they don't exist in it. So I'm going to sign off on that note. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Fleekazoid podcast. I'm sorry that it was such a long time before I made another one. If you guys like this one and maybe it's your first episode hearing from me, go check out my other episodes. But I'm going to leave you guys. I very much appreciate your ears and your time. If you like my content, I'm on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube where I have three channels, one of them being this podcast where I upload on there. So go ahead and check it all out, you guys. Once again, thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye.